This podcast is brought to you by the Specialty Produce Network. On the Front Burner puts two no-nonsense culinary professionals on air discussing tough industry topics, interviewing fascinating food personalities, and providing penetrating looks at the industry that we love. We don't always agree and often provide compelling personal insights from a unique combination of life experiences. You know, it's a lively give and take. It's by no means conventional. Elaine owns Sweet Cheeks Baking Company and is a winner of the Food Network's Cupcake Wars and Fabulous Cakes. A seasoned industry professional, she is a cake designer and a certified sommelier. Don is a chef, an award-winning journalist, and a culinary educator. Together we take a not-always-pretty, sometimes funny, and always entertaining look at the world of food and beverage. Hi, I'm Don Williamson, and welcome to The Front Burner. Hi, this is Elaine Artizzoni, and I'm pretty stoked about what we're talking about today. So am I. And today we're talking about waste. <laughs> um, Can go in any direction. Yeah, it doesn't sound like a lot of fun, and it's not. And I think I, I remember that, Elaine, when I was the catering chef, I would uh, look at the end of the night sometime and just look at all the food we were throwing away, yeah. steaks and meat and stuff. There was nothing wrong with it, but we were throw, throwing it away. And we, and I kind of multiplied that in my head by we were one little catering company. Yeah. And I thought about all the catering companies in town and the state and maybe across the country. And we come up with it annually, 100 billion pounds of food available for human consumption is thrown away every single year. Yeah, it's, it's pretty astounding. And, you know, it depends on what kind of business you're in. But for sure, I imagine caterers, because they're always trying to oversupply. They want to make sure, or people that do buffets, they've got to keep that thing stocked, looking good. You're going to have leftovers all the time. Right. And, and, and it's the worldwide problem. They're like... 800 million people that are food insecure around the world. There are 50,000 people right here in the United States that are food insecure, and we're throwing away 100 billion pounds of food every year. At home, in our homes, 40% of the food we buy, we, we throw away. Well, look at, I mean, we're buying everything in these bulk places, you know, the big box stores and Half the time, you know, you're a couple and you're still buying your onions or your potatoes or your salad greens or whatever at Costco. And next thing you know, you've got half of it is all wilted and you didn't get into it. And you ended up going away for a few days and now it's all garbage. And yeah, it's it's not good. And that's only part of the supply chain. And I think restaurants and, and, and commercial food providers, I think about the fact that the average restaurant, supposedly uses and throws away an average of 100,000 pounds of food a year. It's, and that's Yeah, it's hard almost, to get your head around that. Yeah, it's shameful when you think about the hungry people here. And I know we start out and you say, well, what can I do about that? I can't have them come to my house and I'm right. going to give them a sandwich? What? Well, someone well, obviously has a – there's a way. And now um, you've found some amazing people today and we have ways to get that food distributed at some point, right? Right. There, there's an organization here in town called Feeding San Diego, and we've got uh, Carrie Kalerick who works there. And, and Carrie, welcome to the, On the Front Burner. 
Thank you for having me. Excited so, to be here. So cool. I can't wait to hear what you have to say. Yeah. Tell us a little yeah. bit about Feeding America, which is part of the network that Feeding San Diego belongs to, and then what you actually do there. Mm-hmm. So Feeding America is our national office, and we are a member uh, of Feeding America. And there are about 200 member food banks uh, across the country that work uh, with Feeding America. And so Feeding San Diego is one of those. Uh, We are the only Feeding America food bank in the county that um, we rescue 97% 97% of the food that we distribute is rescued food. So that's from farms, uh, manufacturing, um, and also retail stores, which is my department and, and what I oversee. Uh, so we're rescuing from some restaurants like Starbucks, um, retailers like Ralph's, or, um, of course, I blank on every retail, <laughs> uh, Ralph's and uh, Smart and Final. Um, all of those we rescue. Trader Joe's are rescuing um Millions of pounds a year from those retailers. That's really great. And that whole concept, food rescue, I love that because I think about hungry people and their need, and we're rescuing food for them. Um, You've got a a whole network of of how that works in terms of you locking into people that donate and then you getting it to the agencies because another issue is getting it there in time. But one thing I want to jump on first right away is that uh, a recent survey said that 56% of restaurants do not get involved with any sort of food rescue because they're worried about liability. And I want yeah. us to get out right now that that is nonsense, is it not? Right. There is a law that was enacted in 1996 called the Bill Emerson Good Samaritan Law that protects uh, restaurants, uh, anyone donating food from a commercial institution from liability. As long as the food is donated in good faith, the they are protected from liability that could be uh, added because they donated food. As long as there's not gross negligence and as long as you are not intending to hurt anyone, there is no liability there. So all of you restaurants and restaurant owners and caterers who have told me numerous times, well, I don't want to be sued, you can't be sued. The problem is, and I'll just be honest about it, you don't want to dedicate the time and the personnel that it takes to make it happen. But they don't almost have to. Which is so cool. I, I, this is really big for me, Carrie, because I know uh, as a bakery, we don't always have leftovers because we're not a retail store, but we have in the past. And we have donated many times in the past, typically to the women's shelters and direct places like that downtown. But knowing that this exists is awesome for us. And we work with tons of caterers. So it's also really helpful for us. Then we can spread the word to them. And we did actually, we were told so many times by people, oh, aren't you worried about the liability? What if someone gets sick? And what if they find an eggshell? Or who knows? Whatever. Um, and I don't I mean, you can actually look back at some Seinfeld episodes, you know, with the whole, I don't know if any remembers the, the muffin top episode with Elaine and then, you know, they were donating the stumps at the time and they came back in and, you know, a bunch of guys, you know, they were donating to the homeless shelter and the homeless people came in and they complained that they only got stumps. <laughs> and it was like this big joke in the baking business. Here <laughs> you try to do something nice. But um, anyway, so it was, it's really nice and refreshing to know that this is something we can do. And it's something I will definitely spread the word on. Great. Yeah. yeah. We're always looking for uh, new donors and trying to fill that gap in and food insecurity. 
And how far in advance do people need to let you know? Say, for instance, there's a big event going on with a bunch of caterers. How far in advance do they need to let the food rescue know that that event is going on? There very likely will be extra. But at the end of the night, let's be honest, no one has the time, the energy. They're exhausted and working 14 hours. And now they got to pack up all this stuff and figure out what they're supposed to do. So is... Their staff with uh, Feeding San Diego that actually comes and even helps to pack it up? Or how does that work? So we um, have a team of five coordinators that work um, in we've designated five regions of San Diego County. So we have North Coastal, North Inland, Central, South, and East. Uh, so we, as much time in advance would be great to know. Sure. Um, we work really hard to empower our agency partners Um so we have 165, a little more than that, agency partners in the county. Um, what is an agency so partner So an agency mean? partner would be a nonprofit or um, a faith-based organization. Oh, okay. So someone that's a 501c3 or okay. um, a church right. of some sort. Um, they are our what we call our agency partners, and we work hard to enable them to make the pickups. So as much time in advance is great for us so that we can make sure that food safety is um, – a priority and handled properly um, among those who are donating the food as well as those picking up the food. So once we ensure that food safety is maintained, um, we will work with the agency to pick up that food. And depending on the needs of the donor, uh, we can work with that agency to see if they're able to fill that um, capacity and take that food. So uh, we have a system that we know all of what agency's capacity is in terms of cold storage, if they can take perishables, non-perishables, if they have a commercial kitchen, and then we determine um, who the best, um, the appropriate agency would be to pick up that food. Okay. So what do you do at an event, say they're cooking, I don't know, brisket, and it's out in steaming tables, and it's, you know, they're serving it for a couple hours, maybe three hours, and at that point, how do you determine if that's going to be something that is still usable at that point? Do you just... Scrap that kind of thing and focus on what is for sure? Mm -hmm. So likely, yes. If it's been sitting out, if it was, you know, a catered event where it was a tray that has been taken from, uh -huh. gotcha. um, we would toss that. We can't take that. Right. Um, if it was stored, you know, if it was the extra backup trays that were stored in the fridge, right. that we could. Four hours is about the limit we have on when food is set out um, to when it is consumed. So after Perfect. that four-hour mark it's got to go. And okay. food safety is really um, our number one priority. Sure, then it be. goes to um, get feeding people. Right. So uh, cause if we feed people bad food, um, we're not helping anybody. Correct. <laughs> right. Okay. right. Okay. Just to put a little perspective on this in terms of how many businesses and people are dealing with this. Let's go, let's go back out to the national level again. Last year, Starbucks donated – over 5 million meals. Pret a manager, which is a U.S. Pret a manger, thank you. Pret a manger, which is a U.S. and U.K. sandwich and salad chain, donated over 800,000 meals last year. Pizza Hut donated over 100 million pounds of food. Oh my God. So it's not like this, this isn't happening and it needs to be happening even more here locally. You want to talk about some of the, um, larger um, entities that you deal with, and then we'll talk about some of the smaller ones. Yeah, and I'm so glad you mentioned Starbucks. They are an amazing um, partner with us. They work 
um, with our national office um, at Feeding America to um, get that contract so we have um, access to their stores. But they do a great program in the um, money they save in um, taxes to that they're donating the food, they put back into the program and help enable our agencies to make these pickups because picking up from an individual Starbucks would be a very small amount of sure. food. Um, we run a program called food share that um, we grant out a van to one of our agency partners and they will go to a, they will run a route of about 30 stores, 20 to 30 stores um, overnight. Um, and they will go into the stores, pick up the food and, um, and then take it back to their agency to to distribute the food. So um, they're able to pick up the food and it's able to be cost effective on both ends because it is such a small amount. But they're able to um, empower drivers or volunteers to run those routes in the night, in the evening to um, pick up all of the food. So it ends up being a very large amount. I think I have the number here from Starbucks. Year to date from San Diego, we have rescued... Uh, 148, almost 150,000 pounds of food just from Starbucks alone um, year to date. So since January. Uh, So being able to pick up from all the stores rather than just one store is a great program we have with them. So they do a really great job of donating uh, at their company. And you also deal with schools and farms. Mm -hmm. We're not going to focus on that today, but I just wanted Mm to let people know the scope. Yes, it's, you know, a huge scope. 97% 97% of the food we uh, that comes through Feeding San Diego is donated. So that's through farms all up and down California, up to Oregon. We receive food from farms that are they're overproduced. Um, they have a surplus of product that they can't take to market. Um, sometimes it's a manufacturing problem where the plastic cover on the product was too thin. And so they can't sell the food. So it comes to us and we're able to donate that food to our uh, agency partners to distribute out to the community. It's hmm. great. What sort of support do you get from local government? So being in California is great. We have great support from local government. Um, there is a law in California that they uh, commercial facilities do need to um, recycle their organic waste. And that is great for us because we're able to pick that up and rather go to a landfill. But even more on the local level, we have um, officials who are really supporting support to broaden the Bill Emerson law that um, protects liability for donated goods. Um, We also have support and that they're talking to retailers, letting them know that we uh, do this service and picking up food from uh, the stores so they don't have to worry about what to do with it and that we can provide that service. So we have a lot of support and to our agency partners themselves, um, they receive a lot of support from government as well to uh, distribute food because food insecurity in San Diego is such a huge problem. Uh, there's a lot of support around it. And then what is the benefit besides the the heartfelt, you know, feel good, of course, to donate and to know that the food went someplace instead of going in the trash, but is there a financial benefit for the people who donate the food? Definitely. There are tax write-offs that they can apply for with donating food, like any donation would be. But Mm -hmm. also they save money um, in terms of waste um, costs that are associated with throwing food out. So there is savings in terms of reduction in 
food waste cost, just throwing the food out, there's a cost to that. Um, there's also tax incentives. Um, like any donation, there's a tax write-off. Uh, so they can save a lot of money if they're able uh, to donate the food. Um, also, there are fines because of these laws in California uh, that can be associated if they are throwing food out that could be used um, for donations. And, and that's a, a growing concept. I know in Austin, te- Texas, they've really recently passed a law that if you're a commercial food service organization, you cannot throw away edible food. Mm-hmm. You either have to donate it or give it to farmers for compost. And I think that concept is, is growing. And I think that a whole other thought is that the difference between what's going on in the developing world and what's going on in the so-called developed world. In the developing world, the nations of South America, Africa, those sorts of places, the place where waste takes place is on the production end. It's in the growing or in the getting it to market. In so-called developed countries and in North America, the waste takes place after the packaging, after it's bought. So it's our own laxness that's causing a lot of that. So I think that's an important concept that um, adds to all of this. Although the thing that I I kind of envision, you know, you picture going into a grocery store in Europe or overseas anywhere, and the produce looks delicious. It is delicious. It often is. Typically, it's organic for the most part. And it isn't maybe perfect. And yet you go into our grocery stores and every single apple, I mean, apart from being here, you know, if you're getting organics or something here at Specialty Produce where we are, but, um, you know, you see these apples that are just, they're perfectly red and waxed and every single one of them looks exactly the same. So I think there is that where the so many of the people here are expecting a certain look, a certain perfection on every piece that goes to the store. So there's got to be all this other stuff that is not going. I mean, even at the farmer's market, I know in Little Italy, we'll see the Apple people, for instance, and they'll put up, they have always in the back of the truck, all these beat up, you know, slightly dented apples. They're my favorite people to go talk to. And I get a whole bunch of them for nothing for applesauce because they're going to pitch them. Right. You know? Yeah, that's true. And, and I think that a big part of that uh, is that we expect things to look a certain way. Right. We've got a cosmetics about our food. And that's why there's a company here that has called itself Imperfect. And what they do is mm. they gather food that's not pretty and they get that out to people. I haven't heard of them. Yeah, I think there's a whole different way of looking at things and there needs to be because we've got folks starving to death right. and not just starving to death because, you know, that sounds dramatic and, and people hear that, but it's this whole idea of food insecurity. It's the whole idea of people not being able to be sure they're going to be be able to eat and not not being sure they're going to be able to have a nutritious meal and what that does to them physically and psychologically, right. and that's what we're working on to try to make this happen. But that's why, once again, I want to put restaurants and hotels and wholesalers on point right now that there's no excuse for not doing this. And you've got agencies and businesses and and, and, and people here that can help make this work. Um, talk to me a little bit more about how an agency Uh, actually connects and works with you because in the second half of the program today, we're going to be talking to an agency that works with you. So give us, give it to us from your viewpoint. 
Yeah. So our agency partners, they will um, apply to be a partner with us. They have to meet certain qualifications, such as um, being a 501c3 or a faith-based organization. Um, they also have to be – their mission has to be serving the um, – ill, needy, or infant. So infant is anyone under 18 years old. Um, and needy is a fairly broad term as well. Um, so we work with a very broad uh, range of agencies, but they will apply and we will then do a monitoring visit to make sure that they do meet food safety standards. Um, we ensure that all of our distributions um, are dignified so that everyone is treated with respect. Um, and we monitor them prior to them starting, then they will start their distribution. Um, we also will train them on how to temp check food if they are doing participating in this food rescue program, uh, temp check food, how to store food properly. Um, so we go through a fairly rigorous training around food safety, and then we will check in yearly to make sure that they are monitor that they are uh, maintaining those. Uh, food safety standards um, and that there are no problems with the distribution. So once they are a partner, that's when we connect them to a retail store. So we try to find um, a store that is in 30 minutes driving distance so that we can maintain um, the temperature of food. We also provide them temperatures, food scales, and um, freezer blankets so they can maintain the food quality. And we connect them to a store and set the pickups uh, based around what the store needs or and what the agency needs um, are so they can uh, work with their local community and try to keep the food as local as possible. Okay. When you, when you talk about food safety, you said you actually give them thermometers mm-hmm. and scales and that sort of thing. Yes. That's outstanding. Outstanding. Is that any different, would you say, from having, um, you know, walking into someone's facility, you check their walk-in, you make sure they're their fridges and their coolers are running properly. Are you talking about testing the food itself? Yes. So they have to, uh, on site at the uh, store, temp check the food to Mm -hmm. make sure that it is uh, maintained to food quality uh, standards. So if it's not, uh, they would have to toss the food, unfortunately. But uh, as I mentioned, we definitely want to make sure all the food is safe. So we, they check it uh, at the store where they're picking it up and then, at the facility to make sure temperature is maintained. And then they regularly have to check um, cold storage logs. So um, daily they have to check that their fridges and freezers are at the right temperature as well. Okay. Okay. Um, I know that there are people now that say, gee, I want to call Feeding San Diego. I want to get involved in this on either the supply end or the retrieval end. Um, where should they call? What's your email? Give, give some information that people can utilize. So if an agency uh, wants to become a partner, they can find us online at feedingsandiego.org. Um, we also will take any, um, if anyone is interested in donating food, um, they can email or call me. My phone number is 858-283-8965. Um, and my email is... K-K-O-L-A-R-I-K at feedingsandiego.org. So love to have any um, food donations. We will screen it, uh, make sure we can take it, and then find an agency partner that would be able to take it um, as well. If any agency is interested in becoming a Feeding San Diego 
partner, they can do so online through our interest form, and that is feedingsandiego.org. I, you know, I forgot to ask a question. Are you looking more for ready-to-eat food, or can it be things like flour? Or, you know, if you get the wrong, say you got the wrong sugar scent, or recently we had flaxseed shipped like a 25, 50 pound bag of flaxseed. I didn't even see the size. And they sent us whole flaxseed, not crushed. And we really only use crushed. So we're trying to figure out what to do with this flaxseed because you already opened it and started to dump it and went, no, <laughs> you know. So does it, um, is, is that something that you guys can take or is it really more that you would take the finished product, the finished bread or the finished or the apple or something mm-hmm. that's tangible and usable right then? So it really depends. We have such a variety of partners that some can take um, the scratch items. If they have a commercial kitchen, they can definitely use those, but some can also distribute those out. You know, people, uh, we actually, because they're in California, we have uh, agency partners who um, cater to dietary needs such as, or dietary preferences, and they'll make special uh, products for vegans. Oh, like vegans are gluten free mm-hmm. or whatnot. So yeah. we, we try to take in um, all product that is uh, usable, but okay. uh, ready to eat depending on how ready, what what form it is. Sometimes if it's, you know, a pre-made meal can sometimes actually be difficult if um, it's not going out right away or it needs to be reheated or in some type of way just because of agencies' uh, capacity limitations or they don't have a commercial kitchen or they don't have the right kind of kitchen or a kitchen at all. Right. Um, or their participants also don't have those facilities either or access to them. So, we um, that's part of our screening process. If a donation comes in, we do our best to match it with an agency partner that can use it. But unfortunately, sometimes there are just uh, capacity limitations with our partners uh, that we try to work through the best that we can. But there are some limitations that we face. Yeah, I'm sure on the other end of the spectrum, you've got the people that have pre-made sandwiches, for instance, mm-hmm. for a big event. And, you know, the sandwiches might be perfect, but then by the next day, they might be all soggy. And is that something that's worth donating or not? You know, even if they've got you know, a hundred extra sandwiches. Mm-hmm. Is that something that you, I mean, can you do anything with that? Um, or not really? It probably depends. You know, you kind of want to think of it, would you eat it? Right. That's um, how I figured. And yeah. and we do always want to maintain dignity among uh, our agency partners. So we never want to give them food that we wouldn't have eaten either. So, so. muffin stumps, okay. <laughs> Soggy sandwiches, not. Probably not. <laughs> One of the things that really surprised me and and in the next segment we'll talk a little bit more about that is that i understand that sometimes you actually have the pickup the the delivery to the agency and actually have it to the people that are going to eat it all in the same day all in a matter of hours oh definitely we that's a, a big part of what we do um especially with starbucks um that food will come in at night and then sometimes it's turned around and distributed for breakfast for participants and we'll deliver um, produce to some agencies and they immediately set up tables and do a farmer's market style distribution. So uh, a lot of our food, we try to get it out as quickly as possible because it does have such a short, short shelf life. Um, So we do our best to um, set our agencies up for success in getting that food out as quickly as possible. So we don't want to connect them to a retail store on a Monday and they don't distribute their food till a Thursday. Sure. Sometimes right, if right. they have the capacity to store that food, of course we will do it. But trying to keep those turnaround times as short as possible because the food um, tends to have a shorter shelf life. 
Well, well Carrie, so we're great. certainly oh, happy you it. were able to come today and talk about this. And uh, we certainly, once again, want to urge restaurants, hotels, caterers, farmers markets, if you're not involved, call Feeding America. If you're an agency that works with people, call Feeding America. Elaine? Yeah, I, I think this is just awesome. Feeding San Diego has got to keep going. I think it's a great organization, and I'm excited to hear about it. So thank you so much for being here, Carrie. Thank you all. Thanks for being here. And before we go, want to bring you back to the chef de cuisine part of, of, of things. We've got a uh, wine and food pairing event that's coming up on May 15th, and it's going to be California Pinots versus Oregon Pinots. Mm-hmm. The and ultimate a, test. And an amazing array of food pairings that go with that. It's um, $45 a person for non-members, $40 for members. If you're interested in hearing more about it, go to www.sdchefs.org. It's going to be held at an exclusive home in La Jolla on the grounds. We're going to have a great time. I'll be there. Elaine will be there. We'll have a chance to talk to you. So May 15th, 6 o'clock in the evening until 8.30, go to sdchefs.org for more information. Hope to see you there. And for now, I'm Don Williamson Um, on the front burner. I'm Elaine Artizoni, and we are hoping you have a fabulous day.